Hi, this is Regaline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Alona Prawanakava. Alona is a direct descendant of Armenian genocide survivors. She's an international best-selling author and pastor. Welcome to the show, Alona. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me in your show. I'm so blessed and I'm very honored. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? Uh, originally, I am from the Republic of Georgia, which is like former USSR. I, I moved here 18 years ago and reside right now at this moment in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So we're trying to like, uh, you know, pray for the city right now because we're going through some kind of, you know, uh, the, the trials and such. But God is powerful and we can go through anything as long as we focus on them. I am a mother of three. I'm also a pastor. I'm a best-selling author, like you said. I did my, my first international TEDx speaker so i'm international tedx speaker i'm very honored for what god and how god is using me absolutely amazing now tell us more about the armenian genocide Armenian genocide is something that our world has been struggling with to recognize and to understand where it's coming from. Armenian genocide it happened during the War War One, uh, but officially it happened on uh, uh, April twenty fourth, uh, nineteen fifteen. That's when it happened. And during that time, you know, my great grandfather he was ruling over the small part of Armenia where it was very flourishing, where it was doing good. And at that moment, the new Turks, they call them the young Turks, came into the power. And of course, when somebody comes into the power, they always wanted to change the way the things have been run because they, they have their own idea, understanding, education of what has happened. So the goal was to eliminate Armenians because they view them as a threat because Armenians grew up in their education. They got, you know, they were strong in their power, and they were growing fast. And whatever they would touch, it will come into life. You know, they had a very, they, they called golden hands. So whatever the hand will touch, it will turn into the gold with how masterpiece and, and crafty they were. So during that time when the persecution was happening, my great-grandfather was in the home and his servants who were Turkish people because they adored and loved him so much. They came to my great-grandfather and said, they are about to persecute all the Armenians. They are planning to, to kill all of the Armenians, you know, and, and eliminate from the face of the earth at, at the agenda. It was during the Ottoman Empire. During that time, it, you know, it was, you know, the big war had started, but it wasn't a part of it, just caused of it. So, and then uh, he, what he did, he panicked. Of course, his goal was to save his children, who were my grandfather and his siblings. So there were three boys. One of them was my great grandfather, and uh, you know, and the two of them were younger, like age four. He was nine, age four, and he, and the youngest one was age two. So they took the two-year-old a son and wrapped around my great-grandfather in here in front because it was hard for him to so it will be easy for him to run but it was hard for him to run because he had to hold the hand of the four-year-old sibling at the same time so as they were running you know towards the direction that they thought it would save them uh the uh, the, um, the soldiers the young tours you know the soldiers of the ottoman empire got reached to the point where they reached them, they got them, and they have beheaded 
my both my great grandfather um, and my great grandfather mother in front of the eyes of my great grandfather. He witnessed how they were slaughtered right in front of his eyes. Can you imagine nine-year-old boy or girl who have been witnessing how murdered, how brutally murdered their parents were, what went through him psychologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, his world had stopped existing. And in, in, on top of that, as he was running away from the soldiers, he ran for I don't know how many miles and he stopped like, you know, it was like when you like on autopilot, not even autopilot, because your brains do like disconnect. You know, you become in a special zone when you do not understand what's going on, when your brain is disconnected from your body. He stopped for the moment when he realized that he was running without his brother, without his four year old brother. He had his two-year-old two in front of him. Of course, he was all tied up. And he lost his four-year-old brother. So in this moment, he thought to himself, should I go back and rescue my four-year-old brother? Or should I keep running? And the decision that he had to face is, is going to be determined whether all three of them will live or three of them will die. So he thought to himself, if I go back, three of us may and could have died. But if I keep running, I can save at least two of us. Nine-year-old boy had such kind of heavy thoughts in his head, carrying such a responsibility because at that moment, he became a mother, he became a father. He became their counselor, he became their protector, survivor, and in, you know, the safety zone he is the one that they relied on and at a split second not even seconds millisecond he chose to keep running which means the brother who was stayed behind was beheaded by the soldiers from the ottoman empire wow that is very inspiring thank you for sharing that story with us now, can you tell us more about what inspired you to become a pastor? The, the pastor, it was very, um, it also tied in into my great-grandfather who was slaughtered in front of my grand-grandfather. He was ruling, he was the small, you know, the king in a small county in that area. And during that time, you know, he, he had lots of money. He was a very good ruler. And, you know, when you rule, you need to rule with the grace. Right? You have to be noble. It's not so much with authority. That's why people loved him and adored him. Even the servants from who were the Turkish, they adored him because they came and rescued his, you know, they, they came and said, hey, you have to keep running. They're, they're about to kill you. So they, uh, the people came to him and said, I, we need you to build us a church where we can worship God. He said, okay. I will build your church to worship God. So he builds them a church to worship God. Now they come back to them, to him again. And he said, thank you. You have built us a beautiful, most magnificent church ever. But we don't have anybody. We have no priests. Can you give us a priest? So he looks around. He finds no one to be a priest at the church. What he did, he renounced his royal ship and becomes a priest to rule 
the you know the nation. He has no idea how to be a priest. He was very you know skeptical because he wants to do a great job for God most of all. So he he just applied the same principles he used the, to rule the country. You know with the grace, with the positiveness, with respecting each other, and you know just guiding people once all the time to God. So as he died, nobody from his generation was part of the dream. And his son, who was carrying the legacy, he, he passed that you know, faith into God to his generation. And I was a recipient of his faith, but you know, through the blood, you know, like through the spiritual blood and also physical blood, the DNA. And you know, when uh, during the war of the Soviet Union, the fall of the Soviet Union, when we inherited the war that happened in Georgia, we have had uh, pastors that came to our country who rescued and helped us. And I said, the, the things that you do for my people, I want to come to your land and do the same for your people. And there were American missionaries. And here I am in America doing the things that they do for my, did my, for my people. I love it. Now, tell us more about what inspired you to pursue a doctoral in Christian counseling and a PhD in Christian philosophy. That was something that never crossed my mind, Gigi. You know, I all I came to this country, barely spoke any English, barely, you know, like could like, you know, make my needs met and such. So I had the low confidence in myself that I can even do that. But then something is in me inspired and sparked to go for my, you know, you know, bachelors. And I'm like, wow, I cannot do it. But I did my bachelors, became a student speaker, became a, you know, the recipient of the president award, became with a 4.0 GPA. And then I'm like, if I can do it, let me do masters. I did my masters. But then God said, go all the way, Ilona. Look what you have done. Do not underestimate yourself. Do not base your opinion of your past and on somebody else because opinions, only the losers seek opinions, but people who want to strive, the champions seek directions and a feedback. And that's what I tried to do. I, I tried to seek the feedback and the mentors who will help me to push my goals. And you know, like people usually would come to in contact with me, they say, you know, you have a natural feel every time we feel, we live with from you, we feel that like you have inspired us. So that's why I pursued this, you know, you know, getting a degree in a pastoral, you know, in a Christian counseling. So I, I said, I said, I may as well apply my natural gift with the academic gift and get the best of the both world. And then, you know, with a PhD, you know, I have to like, you know, of course, finish it with, um, with my, you know, like, uh, how do you say it? This, this dissertation that is 280 pages minimum, they said. So I am on it. So I want to get it. I want to become a Dr. Ilona and go all the way. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And you will. And I'm I'm cheering for you, my friend. Now, tell us more about your book, Bella's Butterfly. Bella's Butterfly have been uh, like a, a spark from my, uh, my original book. And that was something that I wanted to voice my woman's opinion to speak to my daughter and all of the children, all of the girls out there who are facing such a pressure you know, even though they're five to nine years old, this book is for, they're still, you know, under the pressure of be becoming the girl. And they sometimes get confused. What voice should we listen? The media is over, 
doing out there. So I wanted to create this voice to speak from the mother's point of view to every daughter out there to say to them that they are beautiful. And I use this like kind of resembling of the story of the ugly duckling, but in the forms of the cocoon, in forms of this warm, right? In form of this butterfly, how we all can flourish. That like we all have this power inside of us. Just give yourself a time when you can transform from this caterpillar into this beautiful butterfly and you become magnificent on your own. Absolutely amazing. Now, tell us more about your book, Opium of the Omen Tree. It's just a, it was a process to detoxify myself from my event that happened into my life. And I turn it into become a memoir. But it's not just a memoir. Oh, you know, let me, I don't want to listen about her, what she has to say. It's a connection that I bring the history to life. Not everybody knows what happened during the Armenian genocide and the World War One, And the way I describe it's so powerful, so easy to read. I describe them what happened, you know, during the fall of the Soviet Union that from this perspective that not everybody knows. I share all of this philosophical question that I answer, what is life? What is your purpose of life? What makes you happy? So it combines like it's a three in one. It's such a powerful message to everybody that anyone can you know, be influenced and speak to anybody out there. It will be very powerful. Fantastic. Now tell us more about your book, Unapologetic. Wow. Unapologetic. What you read is what you get, Gigi. It's complete opposite from opinion of almond tree. You know, sometimes there is the we all have this nature in front of us that we want to be like lionesses to speak out and roar from our own side and speak the truth. But we have to be careful how truth comes out because truth can be subjective, just like the history can be subjective because history is being taught. Even from my point of view, history is very subjective, trying to use objectiveness of it as well. Unapologetic, it's a book of challenges. I challenge every single one of them in every single chapter of my book to achieve the success but success is not what they think they are i'm using my voice i'm using my all of this dissertation that i have combined about what is the success in your life and also i warn them there's a warning points in before they start because i tell them everything i'm speaking my mind i'm speaking what what's in, in there. I'm not apologizing for anything that I write in there. It's of course, it's a P, it's not a PG-13, so it, it has no other languages out there, but it's a very direct message because I, when I speak, I use my directness, you know, to approach people. But, but in that directness, it's a care and love. And that's what I tell people in the first page. You know, you would you have to you know prepare to either throw tomatoes at me or eggs. You, there's no middle point. You would either love me or you will hate me. But at the end, they will know how much this book represents and they will be absolutely in love with every single chapter that will strengthen them, gives them the tools to succeed and give them the power to achieve their dreams. 
Wonderful. Now tell us more about your book, Am I Godfident? That is the, uh, it's it's um, best of, of the both worlds. The world, uh, the, I was, I've been asking for God to give me, first of all, the title, because title usually guides me because it focuses me to write the book. And I'm like, what do I do? And how can I achieve this confidence in my life? And as I was driving, listening to the music, this big, like, like let's say, this thunder came into my life. And that's what happened. God gave me this word, Godfident. You know, the only way, Ilona, you can achieve confidence the uh, confidence in your life if you apply God in your Godfident. So that's why I say, am I Godfident? I ask myself this question where I answer this question through the, throughout this book. And this book is going to, is so, it's it's not religious book. It's a, it's relational book with God. It's such a powerful tool that anybody, it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. And you will be able to find your own confident at the end of the chapters. I love it. And it is definitely needed in our society more than ever. I love it. Now, tell us more about the other books that you are co-authoring with other individuals. So this is also, we are emerging two cultures. We are emerging two voices. We are emerging like two genders because it's important to know. And we thought it would be more powerful when you combine those voices, those backgrounds, those experiences into one. And when you hear those um, chapters together, it's a perfect marriage because you get the both, best of the both worlds in those in this special book that I call Powerhouse book. It's called it's about uh, achieving the success, but everyone defines success with their own mind. There's no one single formula to achieve success. And of course, at the end, I tell them, you know, success without family cannot be instrumental. It will not be, it will not be foundational. It will not sustain you. Uh, success without God will be like just the building your house on a, on no foundation at all. That wind will come, blow your house, and everything will fall apart. So, and of course, the, the co-authors that I'm write, writing, they have a different approach of the confidence with more masculinity, right? With all of their approaches, with their through their experience. And it's like I said, it's a perfect blend of the two opinions of this, you know, experiences that we went through. And uh, it's just like, just easy read and the, just amazing to apply. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. And now you and I have a book that we're launching very soon here. Lioness, tell us more about it. Oh, you know, people do not probably know the power of Lioness. We all speak about lions. We know that lions has this powerful, you know, authoritative, you know, figure in in anywhere we, we read about it. When we read about lions, it represents power, authority, you know, confidence, right? But like what they don't know, lionesses are the ones that are hunting. That are in the front row, that are the ones that bring the, you know, go after the prey. When lionesses are roaring, everyone stops and the prey knows they are in danger. 
So when we're going to apply those roaring voices with you, Gigi, the praise out there are going to stop. Everything will be trembling. And we are going to hunt after those souls that needs the voice in their lives. We will strengthen them. We will let them also know that they can roar. The better roar so the you know, the enemies out there will stop and get still because the voices we'll be using are not our voices, are going to be God's voices that we're going to be projecting. And it's it's time for us to stop, start speaking out and not mm -hmm. defending our faith, but using it to share and inspire somebody else out there, one soul at a time. One soul at a time. I love it. And it is truly an honor to collaborate on this book project with you, Alona. Now, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means probably humility. And I say it to everyone, and this is my life motto, and I've learned through the hard ways, Gigi. Sometimes I thought the leadership was you have to be in power, you have to be controlled, you have to be bossy, you have to be authoritative. No. More hum humble you are, more uh, inspired you are to yourself, more happy you are when you come to the work, more more you produce the smile and great energy. When you when you want to reciprocate, that people want to be like you. That's what leadership is all about. It's not about pounding on your desk. Why didn't you do that? We can say, how can I help you to achieve what you have just could not do that? You know, come alongside. And I say to everybody, be very careful. No matter how high you fly, always stay grounded. I love it. Now you touch base on a very important topic in regards to how individuals view leadership and the pounding of the desk and just really a, a certain demeanor people believe that's intertwined with being a leader. Now, what would you say to the folks that say, if they're not that, that you know, other people may tell them that they're weak, what would you tell those folks? They have to be very careful not to please people. And that's the big uh, line that they have to understand. When you have your standards and your expectations and you are strong with your ethical beliefs and you, your ethics are in norm in your life and you have a strong foundation in your life, be very careful between pleasing others on the, that it will not cost you a thing. There is a way to still use your guidance, still you use your um your ethics, still use your standards and expectation so you can inspire others without jeopardizing your belief. And that's what I tell, I'm going to tell you, do not be very careful not to infect people, but impact people. Don't get infected by what others want from you, but be impacted for what they want from you. And be a good leader also listens people. They don't just shut them off. I learned the hard way too. Sometimes I think my way is the best way. No, we have to always involve. The good leader knows how to apologize. You know, apologizing doesn't mean that you have, that it's, a, that it's makes you weak. It makes you a bigger person. It, it comes with the wisdom, of course. It comes with this, you know, you have to surrender sometimes to yourself and go apologize if there's, you know, you hurt somebody. And if you haven't hurt somebody else's opinion, be a bigger person and humble person. People will follow you 
Don't be afraid of that, but be careful not to be infected, but be affected by the positiveness of the people around you. They are smart people, you know, because you hire them, you know, you're smart. You know that you hire them for the good reasons. So listen to them. I love it. Now tell us more about the major challenge that you had to overcome in your life. Oh, I had to overcome a lot of no's, closed doors in my life. Uh, when, I when I was born, my dad didn't want me because I was a girl. My grandparents, because I had a blend cultures, they didn't want to accept me. They didn't fed me. They didn't rock me. They didn't, you know, like rock me to the sleep. And when I was crying, they didn't come to calm me down. They didn't want to do nothing with me. As I was growing up, I was a minority in my culture because I had the blonde hair, blue eyes, and I didn't look like them. So I didn't feed, uh, feed anyone out there. And as I was growing up, you know, I was rejected to enter to the universities because I have a Russian last name. So all these closed doors that I have endured in my life and my own relative who called me ugly because I didn't resemble them. So all my life I was, you know, facing all of these rejections. But the but you but I made my own choice and I made a decision that I don't want to grow up with a, a victim mentality. I am not because I don't want to be responsible for what they think, say, or do. Just because they said that or did that to me, I am not responsible for them. I have to still use my grace, my wisdom. My, at the time, I didn't have a wisdom, but I was seeking for it. My mom was the one that says, Ilona, never repay evil with evil. Never repay hate with hate. It, it doesn't work this way, Ilona. You need to learn to forgive them. And as I learned to forgive them, you know, forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness was for me. It's the biggest gift that I gave to myself by forgiving them. And as I let them go, look what God did to me. My dad accepted me and he said, I would never trade you for 10 sons. My grandparents, out of five children of us, they, I was the only recipient of their inheritance. They fell in love with me like you never believed, Gigi. But I renounced this inheritance and I gave it back to them because I said, what I wanted from you, I got it. I was accepted. I am loved by you. That's all I want. My relatives who called me ugly, I entered to the beauty pageant and I won them, you know, People's Choice Award. And, you know, they stopped calling me that anymore. And I used my confidence to see how beautiful I am in God, you know, and the uh, all the universities, they have closed all of the doors in front of me. I got uh, the only one accepted from my country with full scholarship paid in the best university in Europe. You know, studied there for the two years in Finland and such. So just because the uh, uh, people say no to you, the doors are closed to you, you're still responsible for the outcome of your decision, how you respond to that. Know who you are. It's not easy, but it's very important to find that mentor, 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 mentor in your life who will not just give you opinions. Opinions, are, like I said, it's for losers will give you feedback and come alongside and say, hey, Lona, you can do it. Don't worry about what they say. Look what you can achieve. You can still do so much things. Doctors who told me I cannot run because my personal circulation of my legs, I can still, I trained my mind and said, I can run the marathon. And I did it, marathon and triathlon. So I tell people out there, 
do not base your opinion on somebody else's, you know, or your identity in somebody else's opinion. You are masterpiece. God is in you, and look at you, how beautiful you are. Look at the mirror, you know. You look God, you know, you see him, you know, just smile, smile every single day. Love life. The way you love life, life is going to love you back. Absolutely uplifting. And you said God is in you. Very powerful. Now, Alona, tell us more about a time in your life where you experienced an aha moment. Aha moment was, uh, you know, I have to always prove something to myself. I am an overachiever and it probably bugs me too. Aha moment, something that I had to always fight with my nature. And I had to prove always to myself that I am capable of. When I was, uh, you know, going to apply for my bachelor's, my own boss, he said, there's no way you can do it. You know, you barely speak English. You know, you have to like learn. Maybe like you don't have time. You have to take care of the, you know, the, the, the children, your family and the work and such. So he said, no, you know, I'm not going to give you scholarship and things like that. So you're on your own. And I had to prove to myself and I, I gave, I came home. I was devastated. However, it did not break me because I said to myself, every single no in my life so far have fueled me and recharged me, rekindled me to achieve impossible. You know, and I said, there will be one more person that I will have to prove that it's possible if you put your mind into it. So I put in a challenge. I'm like, Ilona, you have one year to achieve and, and rub into his face type of thing that you can do it. I took the overload. I passed every single fast track. I saved $20,000 because I have passed every single exam out there. You know, got, of course, the scholarships, you know, from their grants as well to enter. And in one year, I finished my four-year, you know, curriculum. I took a sweat. I was crying, but I did it. And when I finished that, and I achieved, I didn't stop. I went all the way through and got my 4.0 GPA. I'm like, this is impossible, Ilona. It was my aha moment. I'm like, Ilona, thank goodness for every single no, for every closed door. Hallelujah, because I can go through this window, the narrow window. You see it, go it. And if there is no door, make one, build one, and go through it. If there is not a door, build one or make one. I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Alona. Now, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Happiness is only uh, based on external circumstances. And I tell it's you have to always maintain the happiness. But what I want people to achieve is the joy. Joy is an internal fuel that is going to completely rejuvenate yourself. And it's like a youth fountain inside of it. It's a divine source of energy that you need to rely on. Source uh, Joy is internal while the happiness is external. So when you achieve this, you know, collaboration with the joy, you can achieve happiness in every second in your life. And I ask everybody, please love your life do you know seek some goodness do not seek revenge do always love do not hate and um i always tell this this to people also 
you need to say no to people, places, things that can completely, you know, make you the person that you are not. It doesn't mean you do not love them, but saying no is a powerful thing for yourself to learn to grow in the directions that God wants you to grow so you can achieve impossible and you will be able to come back with the full armor and help everybody out there to achieve their dreams. And I need you to know that you are the masterpiece. They will be never like you. Do not ever 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 compare your life with anybody else but find somebody that you will inspire you instead that's the big difference you can do it i love it alona thank you for being a guest on walk with me podcast i appreciate you now where can the audience find you they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on, uh, in, um, I am also on Instagram as IP Resilience, and I'll be more than happy to collaborate with them. I have a website, IPResilience.com and IlonaParonakala.com as well. So I'll be more than happy to, uh, you know, if they can ignite or be uplifted, that, that's the goal. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Alona on all of her social media sites and also Alona Paronakova at dot com and also at ipresilience.com. And Alona, thank you again for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Thank you, Gigi. What the honor. What the honor. You're welcome.